0: Hey Riverbend, this is Pastor Chris, and I'm so excited to announce all the community groups that are going to be meeting this fall. It's our intention at Riverbend that each of our members will be known by a community of Christ followers, encouraged in the reality of the gospel, and sent in alignment with Christ's purpose. Here's a list of the groups we have this fall Brian and Aaron Harris will be hosting a group in Center Valley every other Wednesday from 6 30 to 8 p.m. You can contact Aaron Harris at harrisren at gmail.com. Mark and Monica Tramontina will host a group in Easton every first and third Wednesday from 7 to 8.30 p.m. If you'd like more info, contact Monica and Mark at yahoo.com. Matt and Aaron K. will be hosting a group in Emmaus on Tuesdays from 7.15 to 9 p.m. For more info, reach out to matthew.k at crew.org. I will be leading a men's breakfast at Bethlehem Diner every Wednesday from 6.30 to 8 a.m. For more info, reach out to chris at riverbendonline.org. Jason and Robin McDaniel and Joe and Amy Velarde will lead a group in Neutropoli Thursdays from 6 to 7.30 p.m. For more information, reach out to Jason at jrmcdaniel1 at yahoo.com. Hunter and Emily Price will be leading a group in Northampton every other Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. For more information, reach out to hunter at riverbendonline.org. Jesse and Andrea Velarde will be hosting a dinner group in Schnecksville Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., for more info, reach out to Jesse 75 at gmail.com. Michael and Nicole DeSelm will lead a Zoom group on Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30 p.m. For more information, reach out to michael.deSelm at gmail.com. Lastly, Keith Keppel will be leading our youth group here at Riverbend on Sundays from 6 to 7.30 p.m. For more information, reach out to Keith at kkeppel at hotmail.com. For a full list of our groups this fall, please go to riverbendonline.org slash groups. Get connected today. We can't wait to see you this fall.
1: Hey, good morning. I hope that woke you up. I'm Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. In case you didn't recognize that song, it is the song Walk This Way, Talk This Way, right? We talked about that last week. Uh, but this series, again, is designed for us to rediscover and to discover a new and a fresh The Jesus Way. So we're grateful to have each and every one of you here with us this morning, whether that's in person or online. We also want to just take a moment to celebrate what this season means for us as a church and as we look forward together. And so today was what we call Game Day Sunday, and it falls right around the football season. You know, football season has taken off. The NFL kickoff has happened. All those things have, have taken place. And many of us are excited about how our teams look. If you're a Bills fan, you're really excited. If you're an Eagles fan, you were like, hey, it was ugly, but it's a win, right? If you're a Giants fan, you're like, wow, Saquon looks like he's ready to go. He's back from the injury, right? We're really excited about that. If you're a Cowboys fan, you're like, oh, we'll ever get better. We'll ever get better. You know, that's, that's how, you, how you feel. If you're a Falcons fan like myself, you're like, can we keep a lead in the fourth quarter, right? Someone. Someone, can, can we talk to the defense here? I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And so it falls on that, that time of year where football uh, is he- taking place, uh, whether that's professionally or in the college ranks as well. But it's a chance for us to recognize the power of team, but also where we've been as a church. Because on September 13th, 2009, is when we begin to meet weekly, At 10.30 in the morning, it started at the day's end, which was at that time, the Four Point Sheraton off Airport Road. And this tells you a little bit about how old our church is. At this point in time, a lot of the photos that were taken weren't taken from a phone. They were taken from a camera. All right? Like that just kind of gives dates us a little bit, kind of gives some context. Like some of the pictures I was looking back on, they're grainy. I'm like, what is going on here? And it's because technology has changed since then, which is crazy to think about. But those early days were so sweet and so special. Uh, Amy and I, my wife, were talking about what those early days were like and just being reminded of what it was to be a church that was together with one another for the sake of others. And that has continued on. But early on, you remember those people that we're part of those early days and the beginnings and just the fondness of those those memories and those small beginnings. And then in 2011, we made a move to this space that we're currently in. In case you're wondering, what is that room? That's this room. And that's before we did what we did to that room. <laughs> and so we're here and just reminded of God's faithfulness through the years. And it's not limited to us gathering together on a Sunday morning. It's really about us committing to live for Jesus, love the valley in the world, to be in it with one another as we seek to join Jesus and what he has for us. And so we're just so grateful for his faithfulness. We're so grateful for how good and kind he has been over the years towards our church. And we're thankful for you and those who've invested in the vision that God has given us, the vision that he put in our hearts, and the fact that he has allowed us to join him and what it is he has for the valley is such a humbling reality to walk in. And we're just grateful. We're grateful for that. And it's not only a chance to remember, but it's also a chance to look forward as well. And it really happens to fit very, very well that we're in this teaching series, Walk This Way, because in that we really do want to continue to follow after Jesus in his ways for us. But as we think about that, the, the idea that the football season is here, and I know you, many of you are not football fans, sport fans, but here's, here's the thing, here's the thing, even despite that, even despite that, this illustration will work, okay? But here's the thing, with a football team, the football team is only as good as each person choosing to do the role that they have been given and to help the other achieve what it is that they're intended to accomplish. That they have these shared goal and shared visions together. They have goals that they have set out together, specific things that they're trying to work on. And a team is a team when they work together and each person chooses to do their part and to show up in the midst of that. And over this last year, as we were getting ready for a new ministry season, the leadership here at Riverbend said, we wanna see God work in such profound ways. We're, we're praying, we're, we're desperately dependent for him to do what only he can do. And so as we thought about that, uh, we came up with these ideas here for us. And it's this idea to belong, equip, and go. This is the, the idea, the themes of what we're trying to accomplish over this next year is that we would be a church that helps people to continue to belong. And that's why community groups, as we heard today already, are so important and so vital to the work in the ministry that we're doing here. Because we know as great as rows are, they are very important. It's important that we gather in this way on a Sunday morning. We also need to circle up together to face each other, but also to face our community our local community together for the sake of mission and ministry and what God's called us to. And then to equip, that we would choose to not only be a church that equips, but that we would understand that each of us has a part to play to help others be equipped. That it's not limited to the few, it's also for the many. Those who are called in Christ have something to offer and to equip others. It's no uh, spectator sport when it comes to the church right? Just like if you're a football team, you're not sitting on the, on the stands, right? You're like either on the sideline or in the field and in the game. You're at the practices. You're in the film sessions. Same idea. We're in the game. We're in the game, which leads us to the part of goal. We go. We want to go. We want to live for Jesus and love the valley and the world. We want to serve like Jesus has served us and share with him. We'll share with everybody what he has done for them. We want to share him with others. We want to point people towards this hope, That is found in Christ. And in case you're wondering, maybe you've seen it, or maybe you haven't, maybe you've heard this before, but this, these three words actually spell something. Do you see what they spell? What, what does it spell? I can't hear you. What does it spell? What does it spell? All right. We got some teachers here. See, she was on it already. See, you could tell, but we're begging God to do what only he can do. We're begging in humility and dependence. We're praying this way. And we as a leadership team at Ruben, we're praying to this end that we would be a people that are marked by this as we continue to journey after what it is that Jesus has for us and that we would share in this vision together. Because again, it can't be the few, it has to be the, the many who say, as a team, we're going after this together. And so as we have these team goals, there's a part that each of us play in it as well. And this is so important because what can happen is you can be like, it's team or it's individual calling. But actually, it's the team understanding the goals and then the individual understanding their call. And it works together. It works together, which really fits into what it is we're sharing today. Because what we're going to find today is that if we're going to walk in the Jesus way, if we're going to walk in what it is Jesus has for us, We've gotta really be able to answer the following. We've gotta be able to answer, again, who we aren't, who we are, and whose we are. And so in order for us to do that, we've gotta just be able to answer not only those three questions, but this question as well. Do you know your call, or are you crushed by the weight of comparison? Do you know your call, or are you crushed by the weight of comparison? Because it's easy, to try to measure up to what somebody else is, what somebody else wants you to be, what you have as far as your own expectations of yourself, but not understanding who you're intended and created to be. And in order for you to walk in who you're intended to be, it's a lifelong process and journey of walking with Jesus, to walk in his way, to let him speak to you, to let others come around you who are going to say, I see this, in you and to encourage you towards that end. But it's so tempting to be, try to be somebody else, to be what others want you to be versus what God wants you to be. And I know for many, many years, even as I've journeyed towards what it is that God has called me for, I've had to really be careful not to get caught up in the trap of comparison, the fear of missing out, uh, the fear of not being enough, whatever those things are. Are in our own lives the ways in which we perceive what we should be or what others want us to be versus what God has for us to be. We've got to hear what His call is for us. And really, it's His call on my life that has led me to do what it is that I do, which is to be a part of Riverbend Community Church. It was quite a journey to get to this point of understanding that I'm a catalytic leader. I thought I would be a forever youth pastor. Because I just love middle school and high school students. I do. And I have a blast with them. But God said, no, I I have something specific for you that I want you to follow. I want you to follow my call for your life. And when you hear that call, there is a right perspective and attitude towards it. Not only is it a yes, but there is a humble sense of bigness to it. Uh, Meaning that when you look at it, there's a bit of intimidation with it. Because you're like, wow, this is bigger than Me. And I remember talking to God, are you sure? Are you sure I'm the guy? I'm in my like, I'm like 27, 28 at this point in time. I'm like, are you sure that that I'm the guy to do this? And the Lord said, no, I I want you to do it. I want you to do it. I don't want you to do it alone. I have others that are going to come around you, praise God, because it takes a team, as we said early on, right? But I want you to think about that in your own life. Do you know your call or are you crushed by the weight of comparison? And then the other part of this, as I mentioned already, is we've got to be able to answer these questions in our own life as we're going to walk in the Jesus way and what Jesus has for us, which is who we aren't, who we are, and whose we are. And so to help us to do that, I want us to hear from John, the disciple of Jesus, one of Jesus' closest friends, the one that Jesus loved, the the self-given name by John, right? (laughs) The beloved, the beloved disciple. I want you to hear how he describes one who understood their call. And he's going to talk about a man named John the Baptist. Same name, different guy. But listen to what it says here in John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. We'll read through the verses and then we'll zoom in on them as well. Listen to what it says. It says, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests In Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for this picture of knowing who we aren't, who we aren't, who we are, and whose we are. Jesus, may you receive front and center stage today in our lives. And may we hear you, Holy Spirit, calling us and inviting us to hear very clearly what it is you say of us and what it is that you have for us. Lord, we're grateful for these many years that you've allowed us to do what it is you've called us to do as a church and we're excited we're excited about our future together in Jesus name we pray amen well let's zoom back into what it is we heard from John it says this it says now this was the testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and levites to ask him who he was he did not fail to confess but confessed freely i am not the messiah I want you to hear this. He did not fail to confess and confessed freely. This is a guy who was comfortable in his own skin. Oh man, and when we get to this point in our own lives, it is so freeing. To be comfortable in our own skin, to know who we are and who we aren't, is such a beautiful gift that we give to ourselves and we give to others as well. To be able to answer it this way, Is so important because they were looking to the Messiah. So they're asking John, hey, we want to hear who are who are you? Are you the Messiah? They ask. And and as they're asking this question, they're looking to this Messiah that the Old Testament had prophesied about, this one who would set the people free, this one who would be the Savior, this one who was God and sent from God. And he says, I am not the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. And that is so freeing for each and every one of us to say, I am not the Messiah. What? You're like, wait a second. Are you for real? Like, you mean I'm not the Messiah of my own life? No, you may think you are. You may be acting like you are, but you're not. And neither am I. Because I don't know everything. I can't control everything. I can't be everywhere. But there is a Messiah. There is a promised one. But I am not the Messiah. And so this is good news for us because it takes the pressure off us. To look at the one who truly is, the Messiah. But they want to know. All right, John. So if you're not the Messiah, how about this? They asked him. Then are you? Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. I am not Elijah. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Again, they're like pushing in on on John. They're like, Are you? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the ones that have come before? Are you like the ones we've seen before? And his answer is. I am not. No. In other words, John understood his limits. He understood who he was not. And so as we think about that, I want to give us a couple things here today. And first is, do you know who you aren't? Do you know who you aren't? Are you trying to be something God's not asking you to be? Do you know who you aren't? Because we've got to know who we aren't in order to then understand who we are. And John very clearly says, I am not the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. Let's say that out loud together. I am not the Messiah. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not the Messiah. You're not the Messiah. Oh, you're not. And you're like, you're, you're with a friend or with your spouse, and you're like, it's about time you got this message, right? It's about time. But it's so easy to see it in others, but difficult to see in ourselves, how we have a Messiah complex, how we try to be something that maybe God's not asking us to be. So here's a question for you to think about. Where in your life are you trying to be the Messiah? Where in your life are you trying to be the Messiah? Where are you trying to have control? Where are you feeling like you've got to know everything before you can move? Where are you trying uh, to, to put yourself in a position that there's only one true Messiah and his name is Jesus. Where where is that in your own life? Because I know in my own life, and even as I've been praying a lot this week, the Lord's like, hey, you don't have to know all the answers because I know all the answers. And I was like, okay, all right. All right, I hear you. He's coming to know me as I'm getting ready for this, all right? The Lord's like, hey, you're not the Messiah, I am. Pressure's off. Just trust me. Let me lead. Let me do what it is that I only can do. Well, as we continue on here, it says this, it says, finally they said, who are you? He said a lot about who he's not. So now they're like, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. And this is Isaiah 40, he's quoting here. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. And I love this because what John says, he doesn't say, I'm the only voice. He says, I'm one voice. I'm one voice that's calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. I am one voice, but I know what my voice is intended to be and what it's created for. I understand the uniqueness of what my voice is, but I am one voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare The way of the Lord. In other words, John's saying, I want to prepare people to encounter and experience Jesus. And what's beautiful to think about is that each and every one of us had that same call in our own lives. We have a unique way that we're positioned, both on our experience, our giftings, the things that our hearts break for, but we all are called to be a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. We are constantly trying to arrange the date for people to encounter Jesus, to tell them and to show them both in word and deed who this Jesus is and what he's about. So as we think about this, I wanna ask you, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Do you understand your God-given identity? Do you understand what he says of you, that you're created in his image, that he calls you through Jesus, holy, and blameless, and forgiven, and loved. Do you know that of yourself? And then do you know the good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do? Because he has prepared in advance good works for each of us individually to do. They're set up for us individually. Yes, there's collective works we share in, but there's individual work that we're called to. And that's why we've got to belong and be equipped and we have to go to discern those things together on mission with Jesus. But again, do you know who you are? And as we hear John clearly say, he says, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And it's important that we don't miss this because yes, he had a special calling, but so do you and so do I. We have a unique thing to offer in who we are. There's a uniqueness to each and every one of us. And so as we think about that, here's a question for you. How are you using your unique voice to prepare the way of the Lord? How are you doing that both in word and deed? How are you praying for the people in your circles of influence? How are you opening your eyes for opportunities to bear witness both in your life as you walk in the Jesus way, as you walk this way, as you walk with him? How is that happening in your own journeys throughout your days? And who are the people you're intentionally spending time with to show who this Jesus is and to tell who he is? Because you know what? Right now, we're in a world that's in a world of hurt. People are hurt right now. They're tired and fatigued. They're anxious and angry, and they need what only Jesus can provide, which is lasting peace. They have misdirected hostility at all kinds of people. They don't know what's going on within, and we, as a church, have an opportunity to walk with them because there's been a lot of loss and a lot of sadness, and I'm not even just talking about COVID. I'm not just talking about the political upheaval. I'm not talking about the injustice conversation that's going on. I'm not even just talking about that. I'm talking about life on top of that, things like losing loved ones, things like, hey, I don't know what to do with inflation and what... That means for me with my family. These are things that are real, that people are caring. But we have an opportunity to use our unique voice to help prepare the way of the Lord, to help them find the comfort that Christ comes to give. So again, how are you using your unique voice to prepare the way of the Lord? Well, as we continue on here, it goes on to say, now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And I just want you to get this picture. John isn't uh, minimizing who he is, but he recognized who Jesus is. As great as I am, and as much as I'm doing, there's someone who's greater. My voice, yes, I'm a voice of one. Crying out, but I'm not the word, as we saw last week, right? I'm not the word that was with, that is God, that was with God in the beginning, right? That was creating all things. That's not who I am. But I understand my voice. And when he says this, he says, Hey, the one that comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he's walking in a posture of humility. He understands all that he has been given was given from somebody else. In this picture, you just got to know how nasty feet were in this day and age. Nasty. I mean, I know when we, we hear feet today, some of us are like, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa We're going there. Like, I, I don't know. You know, like, it already bothers us right now. But imagine in this day where you walked most of the, f- the places you would go. And there's all kinds of stuff going into your sandals, you know? I mean, just think about all the things you would step in. Ah, oh, he's saying, hey, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. His stinky, stinky, dirt-filled, whatever else was in there, filled sandals. He's just acknowledging in real time, hey, this is the greatness of the one that I'm talking about. And then he goes on to say this, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. In other words, John was aware of what God was doing. And when he saw Jesus, he wasn't like, Oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm intimidated by this. Or wait a minute, I'm going to lose influence here in the wilderness, or people aren't going to follow me. No, his whole setup was, hey, I'm here for you to not follow me, but to follow Jesus. And he says, here's the one. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. This is the one who's come to save us. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one who we can put our hopes on. This is the one that anchors us both in our storms and in our successes and our failures. He is the one. He's the one that's created us on purpose and for a purpose. This is the one. And so as we'll see later on in John's life, John was so happy to watch people leave him to follow Jesus because that's what his whole mission and ministry was, to follow after what Jesus had for him, but also to help others encounter and experience what Jesus had for them. So as we think about this, here's a question. Do you know whose you are? Because John understood. He understood not only who he was not, not only understood who he was, but he understood that he belonged to someone that was greater than him. His life was about living for Jesus. And at Riverbend, we say it's about living for Jesus in the ordinary and extraordinary moments of life. And it's about loving the valley in response to who Jesus is. But to give ourselves over to Jesus and what he has for us. To understand that we belong to him if we're a follower of Christ. That we want him to have leadership over our lives. We want to help others encounter and experience him. But we, we want to do that in our own lives. We want to follow and walk with him towards what it is that he's called us to and what it is he's commissioned us to four. So do you know whose you are? Which brings us to the next point. See, Jesus is the Savior of the world. You know, John made it clear, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. So here's a question for you to think about. Is Jesus your Savior? I know many of us today, we hear this message and, and we think about what John's saying, but many of us, maybe we grew up in the church, maybe we're familiar with parts of Jesus or the Bible, or maybe we've heard somebody say something, or, or we look at what we've done or accomplished, but we have yet to put our trust in Jesus. And I want you to know, Jesus is a, availing himself to you today and saying, come to me. Come to me. I, through what I've done for you, you can have a relationship with God. I am the Savior of the world. And, and then for us who are followers of Christ, we not only need to receive what christ has done for us but we need to bask in the fact that he saved us and he's the one he's the one not what we did or not not what it is that we've been able to accomplish but who he is in our lives in response to him that we come around and we orbit around the fact that he is our savior as well are you saving or trying to save yourself right now whether you're not a follower of Christ or whether you say I am a follower of Jesus, what ways is religiosity got a hold of your heart? What ways are you looking at saying, Oh, I've gotta, I've gotta earn my forgiveness? I've said I'm I'm sorry, Tim. I've apologized to the people, I've made it right, but I keep going back and back and back and back. Are you basking in what it is Christ has done for you? Are you walking in the reality? Is Jesus your Savior? And the next part of this is that Jesus surpasses our successes and satisfies our deepest fears and longings. And so what in your life are you holding on to that you say, look what I've accomplished or or even look where I'm failing because he surpasses both our successes and our failures. See, John the Baptist wasn't caught up in the following that he got because he had quite a, a following. He had people come into the wilderness. Think about this religious leaders, I mean, these are the people in the know, and they're coming to see him. They're setting up a meeting with John. (laughs) Who are you? And John's not caught up in all that. John says, no, hey, it's all about Jesus. I am not the Messiah. I'm the voice of one, crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of Lord. But he was not caught up in the trappings of fame and success. Rather, he understood that there was one that was greater, and that's Jesus who surpasses surpassed his success, who he was and what he would do. But again, Jesus surpasses our successes and satisfies our deepest fears and longings. And I want you to think about what are your deepest, deepest fears right now and what are your deepest longings? What are you afraid of right now? What are you desiring right now? Because he wants to satisfy those things and it may not be the thing that, or the way in which you think it should be done, but he knows best, right? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who surpasses me, the one who surpasses my understanding, my know-how about how to rule and live my life. Jesus. And so as we think about this, I just want to ask you, are you allowing Jesus to meet and minister to your deepest fears and longings? Are you allowing him to? How are you allowing him to right now? What are the ways you're allowing him to Meet you and minister to you in your deepest fears and longings because he wants to walk with you. He wants to invite you to walk this way, to follow after him. This is what John the Baptist models for us. Again, if we're going to walk in the Jesus way, if we're going to walk with Jesus, we've got to know again, we've got to know who we aren't, who we are, and whose we are. And I want you to be taking time this week to think about that for yourself. What does that look like uniquely for you? What does that mean for you? What are you trying to be that God hasn't meant for you to be? Who are you trying to be that he hasn't asked you to be? And are you willing to step into who he's called you to be? What he's asked of you? And are you recognizing what he says, not only of you, but what he has for your life and life as we know it? And that that really comes down to the surrender part. Again, whose we are. Do I believe that I belong to Jesus? That I'm responding to the greatest love story ever told? The one who left heaven. The one who left and came down for me to pursue me. And experience all that I would experience, but did it perfectly. He willingly laid down his life for me. And then he says, I'm going to not only be crucified and murdered on a cross, but three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he didn't just say he did it. He would do it. He actually did it. And that's what makes him the Messiah, right? He shows up and he does what he says he's going to do. And so when I look at him, he's trustworthy. And his great love for me, the only response from me is, yes, trust, love, independence. I I want to give him everything. I want to give him all of me, every part of me. I want to walk this way. I want to walk in his way. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for what it is that you've called us to, what it is that you have for us. Lord, help us to know, help us to hear very clearly what it is you say of us, who we aren't, who we are, and whose we are. Jesus, I praise you that we can live in response to who you are, to the fact that you not only our king king of kings and lord of lords but you came down you came down for us and you have a way that you want to lead us you are the life as we said last week in the light and i just pray that we would sense your direction for us Lord, we, we are so excited about this new ministry season we're in lord we can't wait we can't wait to see as we beg upon you how we continue to grow as a community where belonging's happening, where equipping's happening, and where going's happening. May it be true of us, Lord, as we follow after all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.